today is a, is a special day. It's an incredibly special day. Uh, I'm dressed this way. You see other people wearing kurtas around. Um, it's because we have a special guest. His name is Dr. Ajay Lal. Now, yes. Oh, yes. Now, let me tell you a little bit about him. Besides being a friend of Crossroads, besides being somebody that, that we have loved for years here at Crossroads, he is someone who lives, who lives the gospel on the front line. They have schools, they have hospitals, they've planted churches, thousands of people in the country of India, Nepal, Bangladesh, Bhutan, know Christ, thousands of people because of the work of Ajay and Central India Christian Mission. Ajay has been arrested numerous times, and you know what his crime is? Leading people to Christ. He can tell you stories, and he'll tell you this morning, some of them, about people who have stood on the front line and given their lives for the sake of Christ. Today, as he shares about how we're supposed to love our enemies, I want you to know you're hearing from somebody who truly lives that on a daily basis. It isn't just speak with him. He's someone who is making sure that orphans have a place to live, that people who otherwise might not have food have food, and people who wouldn't have any kind of support. He allows us to partner with him and for $18 a month, make sure there's food on the table for, for kids. So I would love for you guys to give a warm Crossroads welcome to Dr. Ajay Lal. Thank you. 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 May God be given. Thank you. Thank you so much for that warm welcome that we do not deserve. Um, it's, uh, it's my privilege to be at the crossroads. And uh, Brother Mike and Brother Chuck, thank you so much for allowing me to, to speak to the crossroads family this morning. Um, I'm extremely happy that my wife Indu is here with me and uh, our son Abhijit, who is getting ready to... Uh, joined the ministry in India. He's finishing up his final year at William Jessup University and uh, uh, will be back next year after his education to serve the mission. And our nephew, uh, Shiraz, who is at Hope International, uh, who graduated from Hope and is, is uh, working there, and he's also with us. Would you stand for, uh, for a minute? <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Um, our daughter, who, who is almost five years of age, we adopted her four and a half years ago. She's also with us, and you will see her around. Um, it's a great joy to be at, at Crossroads. You know, um, in all last years, I think Crossroads Christian Church is the church in America where I have preached more than any other church. Um, this is my eighth time to preach um, at, this, at this congregation, wonderful congregation. And we are excited what God is doing here. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's like you witness the book of Acts, and I'm, I'm amazed what God is doing in India, and we are so thankful for the partnership that exists between Crossroads Christian Church and Central India Christian Mission. We, we want to thank you for your prayers and your love and your support and your concern to our lives and to the ministry. Um, I'm extremely, extremely grateful 
um, for the India team that you have at Crossroads, all those who have traveled to see us, who have, uh, who have worked with us hand in hand, who have gone to the villages and cities and, and uh, preached the gospel in the villages and gone to the dusty roads of India and even taken the risk of traveling with us in India and not only traveling with us but going to the areas where persecution against Christians is very, very strong. When you go and preach in those areas and worship in those area, you know, areas, you take the risk of your life. And, and I want to thank you for being wonderful, wonderful partners, sending your teams who have come to India and literally touched the hearts of thousands and thousands of people. Uh, we, we praise God for the, for the support and for the ministry. Uh, there are over 700 churches in last 28 years that God has planted through our ministry. And I bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters from the country of India and from the country of Nepal and from the kingdom of Bhutan and from the country of Bangladesh as we are working in the, at the border of Bangladesh. And um, um, all the believers and friends and co-workers have extended their, their gratitude to you. Um, uh, I... I know in America, I have learned this, that um, uh, when you are here to raise money, you don't preach long sermons. Um, you know, it's a very simple principle. Preach short sermons, get big checks. Preach big sermons, get small checks. So, so I'm not going to take a lot of your time. In fact, my sermon is over. May God bless you. Thank you. I'm, I'm thankful to, to Brother Chuck and to the missions team, uh, Miss Lisa Mitchison, for assigning me a subject as you are studying um, the fifth chapter of Matthew, and I probably get the most difficult portion of that scripture, um, you know, uh, but, but I, will, I will try to do my best. I would like to read from the fifth chapter of Matthew, verses 43 through 48. And uh, Jesus, is, Jesus is, say, uh, is commanding us what, what is written here. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And are not even the tax collectors are doing that. And if you respect only those brothers, what are, uh, uh, and if you greet only your brothers, that are you, what are you doing uh, more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, this passage is the passage of Scriptures, which is significant for all of us, and especially for the body of Christ wherever we are, whether it's in India, or it's in the country of Nepal, or in the country of America. But this passage seems difficult. What Jesus is saying, Jesus is asking us, to love our enemies. It is, it, it is difficult simply for two reasons. The church today is being attacked by Satan from outside as well as from inside. 
Satan is on attack on church with all of his forces and his strength because we are living in end times. Church is being persecuted in many countries. According to the report and the survey done by George Barna, who is a famous and a very credible person to lead the team to do surveys, the report of the survey says that from 1995, every year, 125,000 Christians are being martyred for their faith. Brothers and sisters, we are talking about 10,000 Christians, including the leaders and lay leaders and preachers and evangelists, being killed every month. That is more than 300 people, 300 Christians being killed every day. And this is happening for the last 15 years. There are extremist groups attacking the Christians around the world. Uh, there are Islamic extremists. There are Hindu extremists. And believe it or not, there are communist extremists. You know, sometimes we think that, that communist extremism has gone. It doesn't have any power. We have crossed that time period. But communist and Maoist extremism is growing very rapidly. Even if you think about the country of Nepal, communists have almost overtaken the country. They had a communist government. Everything was ruled by the, by the Maoist, and that was the time when Christians were attacked, when churches were attacked, when Christian preachers were killed. Two of our preachers, Veer Bahadur and Ram Thing, they were preaching in the suburban area of Kathmandu, in the area of Shantipur, and one evening in the village when they were leading the group of seekers, into Bible study, they were kidnapped by the Maoist leaders. And Ram Thing and Veer Bahadur were taken to the Maoist camp in a remote area of the jungles of, of Nepal. Two months later, Ram Thing and Veer Bahadur were able to escape from that communist camp somehow. And when they came, came uh, out from that camp, they were badly injured. They had multiple fractures. And Ram Thing was telling me that, that what they would do in the communist camps, at night these communist leaders and, and the extremists would get drunk. And after getting drunk, they would play drums. And then after playing drums, they would put Ram Thing and Veer Bahadur in these, in these uh, uh, black, um, in these, uh, uh, black uh, uh, clothing covered. And they would hang them uh, uh, on the tree. And then they would beat them with sticks and iron rods. And it went on for hours and hours, and they would scream and cry, but they would not allow them to get out from the camp. Ram Thing and Veer Bahadur are back in the same area, preaching the gospel and leading two of the most growing, fastest growing churches in that part of Nepal. We praise God for the people like Ram Thing and Veer Bahadur. The Maoist movement continues to grow in India. Before Indu and I started our journey, we heard on television last month that communist leaders, the Maoist extremists, attack on the police station, killing 82 soldiers. 
and, and that, is, that is very, very, uh, that, is, that is becoming uh, very, very common in central India. Some of you may have heard about the growing persecution in the state of Orissa, where even today, 55,000 are brothers and sisters. 55,000, I'm sorry, 55,000 Christians are living and hiding in jungles because their homes have been burned, their churches have been destroyed, their sons and daughters have been killed. It is unreal. I was talking to some of the people, and they are saying that we, we are boiling grass and leaves and eating that and living out of the, after the, of, of the food which comes from boiled grass and, and, uh, and the trees and the leaves. They are in a very difficult situation. You know what has happened two years ago on 22nd of August? A, a leader of Hindu faith... A, Hindu priest who was the leader over that state was killed by the Maoist extremist. And Maoist extremist came up front and said, we have killed this Hindu priest. But Hindu extremist turned the whole issue against Christians because in that state, hundreds of Christians were coming to feet of Christ. And Hindu people saw Christianity as a threat to their religion, as a threat to their belief. So they started killing Christians. Christians. The very first night after the Hindu priest was killed and the blame was on Christians, literally thousands of Hindus got out from their house. Hindu and I were listening a story, a testimony of a widow who was telling us that how in their home they were attacked by 15 extremists who came and raped their 13 years old daughter and after raping her, they they cut her into three pieces and she was killed. And not, not, that was not enough. After that, they took her husband who was a preacher and they, they tied him with the, with the um, stones, with the rocks and threw him in the lake. So he was killed. This is just one story that day we had about 40s widows and people who have experienced um, Ex, uh, who have experienced severe persecution and they were sharing their stories. Church is being attacked regularly. I can share many, many stories about how Christians are persecuted. Church is attacked from the outside by the Satan so the evangelist can stop the evangelistic work and reach, who are trying to reach two billion people who are even today outside of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, who are still living in the darkness and headed for the, for the destruction. Second reason, I believe, why this commandment of Jesus Christ loving your enemies is, is extremely important because church is being attacked from the inside as well. Christian leaders are falling into temptations. We hear story after uh, stories how Christian leaders, preachers and evangelists and elders, how, how they have become involved in immoral problems and getting into all kinds, of, uh, all kinds of temptation, losing their witnesses and rejecting Jesus Christ from the very life and from the very act. How these people have become stumbling blocks to literally thousands of new Christians who have come to the feet of Christ because of their testimony once. 
Christian families are being attacked. Five years ago, there was a survey then in India, in the metropolitan cities of India, like Mumbai and Delhi and Chennai and Bangalore and all those cities, and the divorce rate was less than 2%. But five years after that time, now the divorce rate is, is above 10%. And it's among Christians. Growing number of cults and liberal theologians and false teachers that have come into the church in the, uh, in the, uh, in the cloth of sheep and trying to damage and destroy the body of Christ. There are many examples that you can, you can think of how Satan is attack, attacking the Christian families, Christian leaders, and how we are being attacked from inside. As we talk about loving our enemies, the task seems very difficult. You know, it's, it's hard to love those who attack us, who are attacking our families, who are attacking our churches, who are attacking our children, who are attacking people who live around us just because they are Christians. And some, it's very difficult to, leave, uh, to, to love those who hate us. And then it is, it's, Sometimes it is difficult and even and, and very difficult to love those who are called our own, those who are our family and friends. It gets difficult to love them because we start living by the feelings and we think that love is some kind of a feeling which comes and 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 uh, and, and it grows and then some uh, and then time comes when it goes down. Sometimes it is difficult to love our spouse, and that's why many Christian families are being attacked by Satan. Let us remember, let us not forget that the best definition of love, which comes from the Bible, has only two words. If you study what love is, if you study the 13th chapter of the 1st Corinthians, uh, you, you find that love is all about self Sacrifice, self-sacrifice. You know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who came and died on cross, and that's how God demonstrated his love for us. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. John 15, verse 13, it says, greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 onwards, it talks about, about the attitude of Jesus Christ. And it says, your attitude should be the same as of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God. And in seventh verse it says, but made himself nothing. I love my Hindi Bible. And my Hindi Bible says, when it says, he made, he made himself nothing. In Hindi Bible it says, Usne apne aap ko kar diya. He made himself nothing. Zero. He made himself 
zero and came into the form of servant and he became obedient. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on cross. And that's how God demonstrated his love to us. After looking to the biblical description of love and seeing many examples, let's come back to our main theme, loving our enemies. Jesus is saying it's, it's, it's very easy to love those who love you. Jesus is saying what, what good would it do if you love those who love you? You will not receive any reward for that if you love only those who like you, who respect you, who greet you, even pagans do that. And Jesus comes to the extreme and says, even tax collectors do that. You know, tax collectors were hated at that time because they were, they were working for the government and every year they had a goal to reach and government told them how much money they need to bring, bring in and, and, and they said, and the government has given them freedom that anything they bring above that goes to them. So they used to cheat people. They used to cheat uh, even their family members and friends and people hated tax collectors. And Jesus say, is saying, if you love those who love you, if you love those who greet you, if you love those who respect you, you are no different than tax collectors. You follow the world's philosophy which says love those who love you, love your friends and hate your enemies. And and then we become like this world. But in the fifth chapter of Matthew, if we go before this passage, Jesus is calling his disciples, Jesus is calling you and me to become different, to, to be the salt and light of this world, to change this world, to have the love of Jesus Christ. And therefore, if we want to become witness of Jesus, if we want to become the evidence of that, that we are children of our Heavenly Father, then we must love our enemies. Now, let me answer the question, how can practically we love our enemies? And I would like to suggest three ways we can love our enemies. First of all, Jesus is saying, bless them that curse you. You know... Um, Blessing those who curse you. Um, it's not easy. But as Christians, it is so important for us to understand that, that what we say is going to affect our eternity. It is very simple. I don't have to be uh, an expert in theology to explain you this. Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37. Jesus says, but I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment of every careless word that they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. My, this is a serious matter. If by our words, we are condemned. And if by our words, we are acquitted. What we say affects our eternal destination. It is a serious matter. And, and what, what is to be noticed that Jesus is saying we will be accountable for every careless word we speak. How many times we say 
the things and where we say, okay, I'm sorry, I apologize, I was not very careful of what we have said. But Jesus is saying, we have to give account of every careless word that we have spoken. So, Jesus is asking us to bless those who curse us, to bless those who say things against us, to bless those who speak harshly to us. You know, some of you may heard, uh, have heard uh, the testimony of Brother Emmanuel, who lived in the Palari area, who, uh, uh, who faced severe persecution. There was, there was a crowd that came to kill him, and his wife was raped also. And then two years ago, on 1st of January, I got a telephone call from Brother, Brother Emmanuel, and he was so excited. He said, Brother Rajai, I have a great news to share with you. He said, this morning, we had a wonderful New Year service, and I baptized 10 people. And I said, praise the Lord, that's great. But Brother Emmanuel, there was a Sunday when you baptized more than 40 people. What is so great about baptizing 10 people? And he said to me that, Brother Rajai, you don't understand. Three people out of ten that we baptized, that I baptized this morning, are those who came to kill us and raped and have raped my wife. And I said, how can you do that? And I said, how can you do that? It's impossible. If someone comes to attack or rape my wife, I will be ready to kill that person. But how can you do that? He said, well... Every time we saw them at the marketplace, we recognized those people. And every time we saw them, we said, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. And over the years' time, they got tired of God bless you. So they came to our house and they said, what is this God bless you, God bless you all the time. Wherever you see us, you say, God bless you, God bless you. And Emmanuel said, well, it's very simple. Why don't you come inside and have a cup of tea with us? So those people came inside, and as they were drinking tea, Emmanuel explained them the plan of salvation. And they could not believe that Jesus died for them. They have never heard about love of God. They did not know that they can be forgiven. They did not know that they can have everlasting life. They did not know that only through Jesus they can have life and meaning on the earth and after they die. And they were so amazed they became part of the Bible study. And finally they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Emmanuel came and he said, Brother Rajay, they are not our enemies. They have become brothers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise God for that testimony. You know, I've noticed one thing in America, which is not common in India. Every time someone sneezes, you say, bless you. I even heard a preacher, while he was preaching, someone in the congregation sneezed and pre preacher said, bless you. You know, how wonderful it would be if we Christians start saying to those who curse us or who say bad things against us and who break our hearts if we start saying, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, and pray for them, this world will be a different place. And we become great witnesses and testimonies of Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, if we want to love our enemies, another way we can show our love to our enemies is to do good to them who hate us. 
Do good to them who hate us. Somebody say, uh, has, uh, has uh, brought this poem saying that this poem was written by the, by the Mother Teresa of Calcutta before she died. And this poem goes like this. It's more like, a, more like a quotation and less like a poem, but I'm going to read it as it is. People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people will accuse you of having selfish motive. Be kind anyway. If you are humble, people will try to take advantage of you. Practice humility anyway. If you are honest, people may try to cheat you. Be honest anyway. What you spend years building, someone could come and destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous of you. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world your best you have, and it may never, ever be enough. Do good. Give your best anyway. You see, in the final analysis, please hear me clearly. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. It was never between you and them anyway. The blessings we receive in this life and the blessing we receive of afterlife, that is all comes, that all comes from God our Father. Romans Chapter 12, verse 20, it says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. You know, one of the examples that I remember, and I have, I have, I have told you the story, how in central India, again back in the state of Orissa, a few years back, an Australian missionary, Graham Staines, with his two children, Philip and Timothy, were killed. They were burned to ashes as Hindu extremists attack on them. And Prime accused the man who led that, his name is Dara Singh, and he has been in prison for a long time. One of our prison ministers, his name is Mazid, he's a Muslim convert, he went to talk to Dara Singh, and he went there first time, second time, third time, and Dara Singh really opened up. And Dara Singh said, my mission was to destroy Christians anywhere I find them. And especially Christian leaders and missionaries were my prime targets. Mazid became friend with him. Mazid talked to them. And Dara Singh said, you know, Brother Mazid, I have, I have a burden in my heart. Because my, my wife is illiterate. I have three children. And for months, my wife does not have any money. My wife can, could not send our children to school, so they have stopped going to school. They are cooking food once in three days. So Mazid came back and took up an offering, and our staff members and the church people, we collected an offering, and Mazid took the offering to the, to this, uh, to the wife of Dara Singh, and he made sure that they have enough food. He took the children to the school and paid for the fee for the entire year. They bought the new clothes and shoes so they can go to school. And when he went to see Dara Singh after that, Dara Singh was literally weeping. He said, you know... 
Once I get out of the prison, I'm going to talk about love of Jesus because those who I was trying to kill and destroy, those are the people who are taking care of my wife and feeding my children and providing education to our children. It is unbelievable. And Mazid said, that's what Jesus Christ does to you when he comes into your heart. And that's what you do to him when you follow Jesus Christ. Finally, before my time is over, the third way somebody said we can love mean people by praying for those who persecute us. Matthew chapter 5 verse 44, Jesus said, but I tell you, but I tell you, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you study the fifth chapter of Matthew, there are times repeatedly, times and times again and again, Jesus is saying, You have heard this, but I tell you. You have heard this from your forefathers. You have followed these traditions. You have heard this worldly philosophy. You have heard this traditional religious, about the traditional religious system. But I tell you, but I tell you, but I tell you. And our problem is this, that we listen too much to this world and listen very little to Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, pray for those who persecute you. And not only Jesus is saying that, but he, he, he prayed for those who killed him. He said, Father, forgive them. To those who killed him, who, who was beating him, who, were, who, who was uh, those people who, were, who spit on his face, who put him on the cross, who beat him, who tortured him, who mocked him. He was praying, Father, forgive them. And what if Father forgives them? They have salvation. Jesus was praying that those people who were killing him will be saved. We find this living example in in the life of Stephen, the first martyr. Acts chapter 7, verses 59 and 60, 60. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. People were stoning him, were killing him, and he was praying for their forgiveness. Lord, do not, do not hold this sin against them. So what's for us? Are we calling ourselves Christians? Has Christianity become so easy and simple when we don't have to pay any price? Do we have a loving heart? Do we have a forgiving heart? Do we have a compassionate heart? And simply it is possible if Jesus comes and lives in our heart, then we are, our lives are transformed, and we are able to love our neighbors, love our enemies, and love those who persecute us. Someone once said, if we love our neighbors as much as we love our dogs and pets, this world would be a different place. I don't know how true this is for America, but I'm sure it is true for my country, India. Do we really love our neighbors? Do we love those who hate us? Do we love those who attack on us? Do we really have that self-sacrificing heart 
for our husbands and wives and children, we can start from there. Jesus is commanding us to love our enemies. And as we do that, we become Christian extremists. Christian extremists, we live with extremists around us, but we become Christian extremists as we share the love of Jesus Christ with those who are our enemies and pray for those who torture us. And we become witness that we are children of our God in heaven. You know, I'm, I want to conclude this, and my time is almost over. There was a big exhibition of, of world-famous paintings. And father took his four or five-year old son with him to see the nice paintings, and they, they saw several paintings. And then there's a very famous painting, which some of you have already seen, maybe as a picture. It is the painting by Homan Hunt. And it's a, it's a picture when Jesus is standing at the door and knocking at the door. And you know, often children ask these questions. We don't have the answer. This little boy said to his father, he said, Daddy, how come Jesus is knocking and nobody is opening the door. And daddy said, I don't know. And he, start think, he starts thinking. And he said, you know, you know, son, maybe there is so much noise in that room that when Jesus comes and knocks, people don't hear Jesus knocking. And that can be so true with us when we live for ourselves, when we want to do what we want to do, when we hear the things from, from media and from politicians and do not hear what Jesus is saying. We live with many noises around us. And then when Jesus comes and knocks at our heart, we don't hear that. Maybe this morning, maybe this morning Jesus is coming to our heart and knocking. You know, I live in India, and I see thousands and millions of Hindu people who worship cows and cobras and mountains. And, you know, I come here and share these stories with my friends, and they laugh about it, and they say, we can't believe that even in this age, people are worshiping snakes. And I said, well, but if you don't have Christ, you are no different than those people. Your boat may be fancy, but it is headed for destruction. My brothers and sisters, let us examine our heart today. Do we have Jesus in our heart? Because if Jesus isn't in our heart, we will be having a loving heart, a caring heart, a heart who would forgive our enemies and who would love unconditionally. If that is true, would you come forward and make your decision? If you want us to pray for you, you can come to the living room. There will be many of us standing here and we will be glad to pray for you. I hope all of us, before we go from here, we will make a commitment that God, it's not about me, it's about you. Jesus, it's not my life, it's yours. Jesus, it's not me, it's yours. It's not my agenda, it's yours. May God bless you. Praise God, let's stand and sing. Once again, if you're sitting there and you find yourself realizing that it's not about you, that it's about the Lord and it's about a relationship with Him and you're feeling God tug on your heart, like Pastor Ajay said, there's people ready to pray with you guys. It just takes that one step to step out in the aisle and come down and bring your life and you enter into a new one with Him. Amen. Let's sing this out.
Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. sitting in here and uh, reflecting on the words that Dr. Ajay shared with us about the life that God wants you to live. I know that in a room this size, um, the reality is, is there are some of you in here who've had things happen to you in your life that you did not ask for. And I know that truly in my life. People have done things to me that I didn't ask for and I didn't deserve. And maybe you've just been harboring this guilt and this anger inside of you and you just need to forgive. Or maybe you're in this room and you've hurt people. You've done things that you're not proud of, that you're ashamed of, and if you sit in this room, you're sitting here, I hope no one sees me, hope no one knows the things. I wanna tell you something. You cannot begin to live that life unless you know that you have been forgiven. And I wanna tell you something. That when you look at that cross, and you see that our King and our Savior hung on that cross, bloodied, beaten, mocked, and Paul in Hebrews says that he did it for the joy that was set before him. That means is that Christ hung on that cross. He looked through eternity and he saw into each and every one of your lives. For everything that you would do or everything that would ever happen to you, he said, you have been forgiven. You are my child. You are my friend. And here's what I said. We're not gonna finish this service because I feel like in this room right now, there are some people that just need to enter into this relationship. Know that they are forgiven. Know that they have been given a life of freedom and need to experience the life that God has called them to. So right now, if you're standing in this room and God is calling you to a relationship with him, do not be afraid. I want you to have courage because you know what? God hung on a cross for you. So right now, if God is calling you into this decision for Jesus Christ, then please grab a friend, do whatever you gotta do, but come out and praise God for you, man. Praise God for you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Lift him up. Mountains bow down and the sea. Draw.